Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins and welcome to Life, Death and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium and here we explore life, death, consciousness and what it all means. Today, I have Vanessa Loader on the show. After spending close to a decade working in finance on Wall Street and Silicon Valley, Vanessa felt that she had climbed to the top of the wrong ladder. Her personal transformation and soul awakening, subsequent research and work have led to thousands of brilliant, overwhelmed women, have led thousands of brilliant, overwhelmed women to find their way back to soul. Vanessa received her MBA from Stanford and her BA from Columbia, where she graduated Phi Beta Kappa, summa cum laude. Vanessa is a certified executive coach trained in neuro-linguistic programming, past life regression hypnosis, and Vipassana meditation with Jack Kornfield. Vanessa currently lives in Lafayette, California with her husband and two children, who remind her to take, quote, mommy timeouts when she's about to lose her marbles. Welcome, Vanessa. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I was just thinking how we all lost our marbles yesterday in the car driving back from Tahoe. So, which yeah, is that's very appropriate. That right, bio. which is beautiful because I think when people think that you're connected to your soul and everything is peace and love all the time, you lose your marbles a lot. Yes, still. Yes. Oh, yeah. Still lose my marbles all the time. I could really, really use your help. If you haven't had a chance yet to listen to my season five opener, go back and listen to that. But in the event that you don't, I need your support. If you've been listening to me for a while, or even if you just started, you can go to Patreon and put in Dr. Amy Robbins. And there you can find different levels in which you can support the podcast financially. At this point, I have no ads. I have no... Um, sponsors. I am solely self-funding this podcast, and it would really, really help me out if you've gotten something out of this podcast, if you could donate $5, $10, or even $20 a month just to help me out, to help support the podcast. I'm continuing to work to try to get sponsors, to try to get advertisers, but until that happens, I need your help. And there are other ways to support the podcast. In addition to Patreon, you can like the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can rate and review the podcast. I always love reading your reviews. They're really heartwarming to me. And it's the emotional currency that I get from providing you with this resource. So uh, please, please take a moment to just help me out here. You can also find the links in this um, episode, in the episode notes, as well as on my website at dramyrobbins.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Robbins. So let's talk about your journey because it's fascinating to me that it sounds like, and I want to hear more, that you were really at the top of corporate America and what so many people aspire for, dream for. You had these two degrees from very um, world-renowned institutions that people look at and say, oh my God, she must have everything. She's got these degrees. She's got this great job. And you got there and did what I think most people want to do, but are too afraid to do, say, yeah, I climbed the wrong ladder here. 
Yes. And I mean, it was not like I had that in a single moment of epiphany. It was a series of small moments, as I think it can often be, unless we get jolted with like a major crisis, like an illness or a death. But for me, it was more this this vague sense that something was missing in my life. And I remember this moment of like I had yeah gotten all the accolades, gone to good schools, gotten good grades, gotten a good job and a promotion. And I got to the top of all that and I thought kind of like, this is it. I sort of felt like there would be more happiness and fulfillment and meaning and purpose to my life. And on top of that, I noticed this pattern in myself where I would lie in bed at night with my mind just racing, thinking of all the things I didn't get done that day and all the things I had to do the next day. And I I just had this moment of going, this is success. (laughs) You know, I thought I'd like, I, I would make it some to some destination and suddenly I would feel accomplished. And no matter what I did, that true, deep, lasting feeling of accomplishment seemed to elude me. And so that's when I thought, huh, maybe it's not about getting one more external accolade or achievement or hitting the bar because the bar just keeps going higher. Maybe this is something inside of me that's going on. And that was the beginning of my own awakening was to just notice no matter what happened externally, it was never enough. And how long ago was this for you? So for me, that started in about 2009. And so right around then, and I, and I started reading a couple books. One of my girlfriends from business school recommended mutant message from down under Margot. It's a book about Aborigines in Australia. And it, that started to open my perception. And then The same friend told me about the book, Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss. I call him like the gateway drug. He's like the gateway to spirituality Yes, for for most people who are grounded in science and want to understand. Exactly. Because my mind was like, well, this guy trained at what Yale and he's legitimate and he's a doctor so I can trust him. And I had never thought about reincarnation or past lives at all. Didn't know that I believed in it, but I read that book. And yes, it struck a chord so deep inside of me, I would say with my soul and something inside of me just woke up and I thought, I completely believe in this. I want to learn more about it. I'm obsessed with past lives. So then that summer I went and saw him. He came to speak in San Francisco and I had a very profound experience. I was still working in private equity in finance sitting. And then I found myself in this ballroom at like a holiday inn in downtown San Francisco. I, I, did getting, this, I think I did the same version here in Chicago. Yeah, getting hypnotized with like 200 strangers, you know, right, about to be right. like sitting life. in a chair and I'm like in some prairie somewhere, I think was where <laughs> I went, like in some flowery dress. I'm like, this is fascinating. Yeah. So I had a very intense experience and then I decided to train with him. So the next summer I went and got certified in hypnosis and past life regression healing. And then I joined me and I think it was three therapists and myself, we would meet almost weekly, sometimes monthly for a year and just hypnotize each other and take each other to past lives because we were all like, this is so fascinating. We just want to play with it. And you know, how many past lives have I had? And so I got really into all of that. Um, And at the same time, I was starting to study mindfulness and meditation and go on five day and 10 day silent meditation retreats. And you know, I just became, it was like my overachiever went nuts in the personal development space for a couple of years. And yeah. And then I ended up changing so much. I realized what I wanted to do was quit my job in finance and dedicate my life to bringing those tools to other people. And particularly to women who have big, bold goals and dreams and visions and things they want to accomplish in their lives 
but they want to do it in a more sustainable way. And they want to find a way to choose goals that are more aligned with who they really are, rather than what culture tells them they should do or who they should be. So what do you say to people? And I want to dig in a bit to um, The Soul Solution, which is your new book, The Soul Solution, yeah. a guide for brilliant, overwhelmed women to quiet the noise, find their super superpower, and finally feel satisfied. Um, but what what do you say to women who don't maybe have that flexibility or that ability to leave a big job? They have to stay in that. They they can't, or to leave any job, you know, and really be aligned with their soul. They can't just give up, you know, that financial security. I'm sure. not saying yeah, that's what is, you did, but. Yeah. Mine is a very dramatic example of making that shift, but I have tons of clients who do it in a much more gradual way. You don't have to like move or leave your relationship or quit your job in order to have a more, you know, soul-centric, soul-aligned life. It's actually a lot of small choices and micro moments that create that kind of connection and attunement. And so it's as little as, you know, having a five-minute morning ritual where you do something to take care of yourself. One of the things I coach people in is like putting a glass of water on your nightstand at night, because that's a visual cue in the morning. You see that and then you drink the glass of water, which is taking care of yourself, nourishing your body first thing in the morning. And then instead of checking your phone, which many of us do first thing in the morning, and then we're responding to all the inbound requests, the energy from other people, you don't check your phone for five minutes and you do one five minute activity for yourself. So maybe you journal, maybe you do a short guided meditation or you move your body intuitively. That's a great practice to start to just align with your soul, with your inner knowing a little bit more on a daily basis. So everything from that to like dramatically quitting your job and everything in between. I mean, there's, you can see what works for you on the spectrum, but one of the things I talk about in the book is following your energetic breadcrumbs, which are those little moments that light you up that you're really So that's another great way to have it be bite-sized where it doesn't have to be a dramatic change. An energetic breadcrumb could be three different people mention the name of a book to you. So maybe you go read that book. I mean, for me, it looks like a dramatic change quitting my job, but there were so many micro moments that led to that decision, including reading the book, Many Lives, Many Masters, and then buying a ticket to go see him in person because this something inside of me just told me I need to go do this. So it's just following those moments, that guidance again and again and again. <laughs> yeah. And I think I ta I've talked several times on the show about the, I call it the same thing, the Hansel and Brad, Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs that just drop for you along the way that if you, and this is where I think meditation comes in is if you're not conscious and you're in this state of busyness, which I know you talk about and I want to talk about too, um, then you miss those moments where the universe shows up for you in that way. Yeah. It's so easy to go on autopilot, you know, and just be like the little hamster in its wheel, just churning, churning, churning. And I do that. I mean, I, I teach this stuff, not because I've mastered it, but because I want to master it, you know, and every single day I get caught in the busy trap or the hamster wheel or the to-do list or, or I space out and I zone out and I'm not really being intentional with my energy or my focus or my time. And that's okay. I mean, it's part of being human. It's giving mm -hmm. ourselves the grace and the compassion, but then coming back again and again to our center and trying to live from that place more and more often. Well, so what is the soul solution exactly? Yeah. So the soul solution is really about learning to listen and trust 
your deeper knowing, your intuition and your soul and allowing yourself to live from that place, move and breathe and live in the world from that place. And how do you differentiate ego from soul? Because this is the, this is very tricky for people to do. Yeah. And I actually have a chart in the book because I'm such a like practical overachiever. Yeah, I'm like, how to differentiate soul chart, and ego. There, there's a lot of very practical parts to this book. Yeah. But I just noticed in myself, for me, the ego is a very loud voice in my head. It's incessant. It doesn't stop. It's constant. And for people, it who, are, for people who are watching, here's the chart. It's on yeah. page. It's on page 30. Okay. The, um, the ego has this like never enough quality to it. You know, it's never good enough. It's always, and it's much more like pushing and striving and controlling. And the soul in contrast is like this really gentle, quiet voice. It's a whisper. It's, it comes in as a little nudge. It can come in through your dreams. It can come in through synchronicities and curiosities. And I like to say, I noticed in my own beingness while the ego was pushing the soul would pull me towards things like when I was going to mm. see Brian Weiss I wasn't pushing myself to do that I felt pulled to do that and that, that's a great differentiation it's like the movement is the same you're going from a to b but instead of pushing you feel pulled so it's like it's like there's a magnet at the destination instead of a sledgehammer at the the starting point. Well, and I think for women who are overachievers, and I would probably put myself in that category, although, although it's gotten significantly better as I've tried to be more in connection with my soul, uh, to, to really be paying attention to when you're feeling pushed versus pulled is yeah. is. So crucial because I think so many women do feel pushed, and that's where this need, this this desire, or this not desire, this difficulty saying no comes from, um, and and all these like shoulds that we feel like we need to do as women, and are is that a push or a pull? Yeah, yeah, and also because I think I get the sense your community is a little more advanced on the spiritual path a more nuanced version of this that I have found is that I can even be in alignment with the thing itself that I want to do, but my energy is not in alignment and I'm pushing myself, you know, like. So how does that um, feel different? Can you differentiate that? It also, for me, it often feels when I'm pushing myself, there's a, a tightness in my body, a constriction, a heaviness. So I might feel like a tightness in my throat or my chest or a heaviness in my shoulders. So there's physical, physiological symptoms of it. Um, but it's for me, it's often just tuning into my energy and noticing how does this feel? So, you know, for example, I was trying to write an article, I think for LinkedIn a few weeks ago, which sounds like, sounds like such a to do. And I was just, it was, I was in full push mode. Like I wasn't feeling inspired. I was trying to make myself sit down at my computer to write. And I just thought, you know, no, this is not how I work anymore. And I tuned in what's going on. And when you've done enough work on yourself, you can tune in and go, am I in resistance? Am I sabotaging myself? Or what's, what's really happening here? And I tuned in and it was like, no, I'm tired. I just, it was around the holidays. There was a lot going on. I'm physically tired. And so I went at like 9.30 in the morning, which is usually my focused creative writing time. I took a nap, which I never do. And I came out of the nap with like an idea for a blog post and I felt inspired and I sat down and I wrote it. 
Then it was about my daughter not wanting to read more with her homework at school. And anyway, this LinkedIn post did oh, you so have well. That I had, problem? Like, <laughs> well, no, she loves to read, but then they assigned it as homework where she had to track it in a reading log, like the page she started on and the page she ended on. And she started to not like reading. And it was a whole thing, like a metaphor for my life and career and how the metrics can like ruin the joy. And anyway, this post did amazing. It had like, you know, whatever, 200 comments. It was the best post I'd written in months, but it came out of a nap and it came out of tuning into my own energy and not forcing myself when the energy wasn't aligned. And so for me, it's become almost like a a moment to moment check-in with myself of where, where am I right now in my energy and my state of being, what do I need? Does this, do I feel pulled to do this thing or am I pushing myself? And if I'm pushing myself, what do I need to do to reset my energy so that I can get back to the pull feeling? You know, maybe it's sometimes it's exercising, going for a run. It's not a nap or calling a friend or, but you know, and I've just really become a proponent of like energy needs to precede action. Well, and I love, and I, I really want to, this is the first podcast I'm recording after the first of the year, even though it won't air for a while. But, you know, one of the things that I think I'm starting to notice is in talking with people around these practices, it seems to be that there's this expectation that like, all of a sudden mountains move, angels sing, you know, and you're like enlightened in this way that is yeah. just like so inspiring and suddenly you are forever changed. And <laughs> I, I like what you're saying and how I think about it is that that's actually not at all what it is. There are really subtle energetic shifts that happen that mm -hmm. if you are busy, if you are not practicing meditation or doing any sort of self-care practice, you miss those subtle shifts in energy that are, I believe, sort of those whispers from your soul. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that's, that's a great way of putting it. So what do you, how do you differentiate? I like, cause you differentiate a lot in this book between what are gold standards versus North stars. Yeah. So the gold standards are what our culture and society has told us <clears throat> is like the creme de la creme. It's the thing to achieve. And if you kind of go by the Stanford MBA, the, the Stanford MBA, right? I mean, I used to love to, I, okay, I'll be honest, a part of my ego still loves telling people like I, I got into Stanford and Harvard, you know, and I chose Stanford, like, look at me. So, uh -huh. um, so yes, it's, but if you think about any category of your life, there's a gold standard. So there's a gold standard for parenting. There's a gold standard for what it means to be a great, have a great marriage. There's a gold standard for being a good daughter. And these are like the, the, and we've internalized them as women. And then we often create these perfect pictures in our mind of what it should be. And we're not even aware we're, most of this happens unconsciously. And then we hold ourselves to this standard of these perfect pictures we've internalized from culture. And then when we fail to meet them, which PS, we all fail to meet them. Mm -hmm. We beat ourselves up. We go into shame. We go into self-loathing. And so what I found in my own journey was it was really helpful to name what are some of these perfect pictures that I have unconsciously internalized. You know, for example, one of the stories I tell in the book was I kept telling myself, like, I need to lose the baby weight in four months, <laughs> you know, and it's after I had my first kid, where did I even get that idea from? Nobody ever sat me down and said, Vanessa, you need to lose the baby weight in four months. And yet 
there were all these magazines with pictures of like, look at this mom on the beach looking gorgeous in her bikini. And right. And a lot of my friends were talking about it. And so I just kind of soaked it into my psyche without ever pausing to go, do I want to believe in this? How does it make me feel when I believe in this? Is this causing me to put unnecessary pressure on myself? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of women I coach, when we start to peel back the layers of these unconscious goals and like the pressure they're putting on themselves, they'll go, oh, wait a minute. I'm the one who put me in that box so I can take myself out. Like I can move the goalpost. I can lose the baby weight in 12 months. Like it's arbitrary. Why did Mm -hmm. I choose four? Um, So just starting to name that can help free you from it. And then your North Star, on the other hand, is something that it's not a singular destination, like lose the baby weight in four months or make this much money. It's, it's more of a beacon that you're continually moving towards and it evolves as you evolve. And it's so unique to you. And that's the other really cool difference is the gold standards. We're trying to hold everyone to the same metric of quote unquote success for these different categories in life. And yet what brings you true joy and fulfillment with your work is going to be so different from what brings me true joy and fulfillment with my work. Like, how can we even compare that? Because we're such unique, creative beings. Mm-hmm. And so your North Star is something that only you know. Nobody else can tell you what it is. And it's always evolving. And it's, I think of that more like if the gold standard is like a race and you're trying to cross the line or get to a certain bar, the North star, it's more like you're in a ship and you're just tacking, you know, I, I'm not a sailor, but apparently you t- you know, you have to, <laughs> I've done it a couple of times. You like tack side to side. Cause you can't go straight from a to B. So your ship goes like over to the right and then over to the left. And you're, so it would sort of be narrow- like summiting almost yes, like if you exactly, summit a mountain you're narrowing, and you're narrowing like the, the width as you tack mm-hmm. to get closer and closer to this thing. That's kind of what it's like when you're pursuing your North Star as you're like tacking and getting closer and closer in a more narrow band to this, this beautiful light that you, that emanates from inside of you. <laughs> so the, the clarifying core values you talk about as well, and I feel like those are good guides to finding your North Star. You talk about it as clarifying core values. I've talked about it before as tapping into the essence or figuring out like the feeling that you want to feel. And then how do you get there? And you have a quite another list, another long <laughs> list in this book, yeah. um, which, which actually those like real, I was like, yes, this is, this is always what I'm saying. But uh, so I'm just going to read a few of them. Um, abundance, certainty, dignity, friendship, freedom, joy, justice, kindness, knowledge, leadership, loyalty, love, Nature, openness, orderliness, significance, sensuality, spirituality, style, support. So how do you think about those those values in terms of um, how you integrate them in your life, how you move towards them, and how they differ from other values that as a society we have? Yeah. So for me, knowing my core values, and I've done this over years, I revisit the values tool every six or 12 months to see. And I found that I have one or two that change maybe every year, but then I have a group that's always stay the same. You know, so for example, connection and growth always and freedom always stay there for me. Mm. And so for me, it's like 
checking in on a daily and weekly basis, am I living into connection and growth and freedom today? And the times when I feel the most burned out or overwhelmed or resentful, it's always because I've gotten out of alignment with my own core values in some way. And then, so then as, as soon as I notice that, okay, wait, which of these values am I out of alignment with and how can I get back into alignment with them? And that's how I kind of stay true to myself and stay connected with myself, you know, no matter what's going on in the external world. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know, there's apparently some social media trend happening right now. I saw like one or two posts about picking your word for the year. Oh yeah. People, that's a big thing to pick your word for the year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even understand what that means. Like you pick one word and you. I've done that actually for many years and I have a guided meditation that I've done that sometimes as a live class at the beginning of the year. I'm not doing it this year, but I have found it helpful. You pick a word for the year. I like to go into meditation, tune into my heart center and just be like, what's the word for this year? The value, the quality of beingness that I'm really wanting to call in for the year. Um, and so, for example, I had surrender as my word the year that I was pregnant with my son. And my daughter was born via C-section. I really wanted a natural birth. Didn't happen. <laughs> really wanted it to happen with my second child. And then he was um, also breech. And they won't do like, you know, a vaginal birth with a breech baby when you've already had one C-section. And I remember I really went back to the word surrender and was like, oh, right, this is my word for the year. (laughs) Like, Mm. this is the value that I felt called to live into. And this is a moment right now getting this news from this doctor that I'm not going to have the birth that I was hoping for. This is a moment of deep surrender. And it really helped me actually navigate that experience to reconnect in with that value, that quality that I really wanted to call in. Um, another year, my word was freedom. And I took a picture. I wrote it in the sand at the beach and took a picture with it, which I, I would imagine that would do really well with this trending social media thing. <laughs> no. Freedom um, on the beach, for sure. Yeah, with that image. But it, it, so it, it's more, it can be a touchstone for the year of a specific mm-hmm. word or value or quality of beingness that you want to focus on for the year. Okay. And why do you think we have such a hard time committing to one word to one like I I have an aversion to this notion of one word because I'm like I don't want to be confined by one word like there are in this list many things that I want to be living yeah well I I usually have my whole list of values and my core values and then my one word so it's like I I choose all the buckets (laughs) you got you have a whole room of vision of boards I feel like well I'm a seven on the Enneagram so I want to do all the things (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I've had that with clients as well, where they don't want to limit it because it, I think it's almost like, well, then am I saying I don't care about love or self-compassion or loyalty? You know, our mind gets scared. Like if I focus on this thing, does that mean I'm saying no to all the other things? Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't mean that at all, but it just means you're saying yes to this thing in a focused way. Mm-hmm. So, so back to this notion of commitment. It seems like as women, we are certainly able to commit well to other people, other things, but not as much to ourselves. What do you attribute that to? Patriarchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One word answer there. <laughs> I was actually just thinking about it this morning and caregiving and how caregiving is such a beautiful, important, powerful thing. And yet as women, I think we've fallen into this version of what I was thinking of as distorted caregiving, 
which is we care gift for everyone else and not for ourselves. And then we end up, you know, depleted and resentful. And, you know, Richard Schwartz, who does the, he wrote a book called No Bad Parts, and he does a lot of the parts work. Yeah, it was really fascinating. Internal family systems. Yes, internal family systems, IFS. Um, I was fascinated. There's a great podcast with him and Tammy Simon on Insights on the Edge that you can listen to. And he talks about a study they did at Brigham Young with people who had arthritis and they were doing the parts work with them to see if it cured their arthritis and cured their depression. And it just so happened that the majority of the women in this clinical study were, well, majority of the people were women and many of them had been raised Catholic. And what they found was that the majority of them had a caregiving part that took care of everyone else and didn't take care of themselves. And when they worked with that caregiving part to heal it and to start you know, giving to themselves, their arthritis went away. Mm. and their depression went away. Mm-hmm. And I heard that and I was like, that's not a coincidence that all of these Catholic women have a caregiving part. That is like trickle down patriarchy. That's not just from their individual childhood trauma or patterning or attachment issues with their parents. That's, that is a cultural like situation. So mm-hmm. yes, I attribute it to patriarchy. So, so I want to shift a little bit here because you and I talked a little bit before we got started about how, how far my listeners might go with some of their curiosities. And we talked about multi dimensions. So let's, I want to, I want to actually hear some of your experiences. You talked about star seed awakening, and I've heard this notion of star seeds coming up mm-hmm. significantly. So I'm curious to learn a little bit more about what is a star seed? What does that mean? What is a star seed awakening? What are these experiences you've been having? How we can understand if we're experiencing um, multi, you called it multi-dimensional bleed throughs uh, yeah. and what those are. So we're going to veer off course here a little bit. Let's veer off course. Let's go deep into the, we're going the woo-woo-ness of it all. I right. love it. Um, okay. Yes. So I, yeah. So my journey into spirituality or just the fact that the idea that there might be more than what we see here on the earth plane started with past lives with Brian Weiss's book. And that was, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And then starting a few years ago, when I would be working with a client, let's say I hypnotized them, took them to a past life and they're in, they're hypnotized and they're describing what they're seeing. I would start seeing things ahead of them. So they'd be walking in the woods and I'd be like, Oh God, someone's following her. She's about to get raped. And I wouldn't say that. And then the client would be like, Oh, I I feel someone else is here in the woods with me. And sure enough, you know, that would then happen. So I was just starting to open to my own, um, psychic and, and clairvoyant abilities. And then a few years ago, I started when I would deeply eye gaze with people, I could see their past lives. And so that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the night that my mom died, um, two years ago, I was in real sadness and grief. And my sister said, she's getting her PhD in depth psychology and said, grief is really missing your connection to source that you got through that person. And so what you're really wanting is to connect with source when you're grieving someone. And I thought that was really interesting. And I did a very big prayer that night of like source, God, whatever you are, whatever you want to call it. I want to feel you more. Show me, show me how to feel this more. And I, discovered the book, The Council of Light by Danielle Hoffman that night and started reading it. And it's a channeled book and it just really deeply resonated. And then I started working with this Council of Light beings and um, this other new council came in six months or so later called the Blue Council. And 
I had had some experiences with aliens and all kinds of things that I, I won't necessarily go into, but I started on my own and with my spiritual teacher and in a group with other women connecting in with this consciousness that I would say was an aspect of myself that was on another planet that was kind of simultaneous. And the nature, it felt so different from all the past lives that I had experienced of my, my own past lives and felt into. And I channeled with them one day and said, why does it feel that she's like an alien queen? <laughs> I call her the alien queen. Do you, do you, have you brought this back to Stanford business school yet to talk with the, oh, yeah, the I mean, students I them about this? <laughs> All the time. So when you're channeling your alien queen consciousness right. <laughs> and you want to raise venture capital, um, actually, I kind of do want to bring it all full circle in the next 10 years. And we can talk more about that. But I, I so I brought in the councils and I was like, you guys, why does this feel so different when I'm when I'm connecting in with this alien? What was happening? Something would be happening to her on that planet that would be an echo of something that was happening to me on the earth plane. So there would be like similar, but different experiences. And then the emotions I was feeling were so big and overwhelming. And I felt like I was feeling what was happening to her and I was feeling what was happening to me and they were similar, but different. And what I came to understand is that's something called multidimensional bleed through when you're tuning into other dimensions. So as you expand in your consciousness, you can go beyond 3D, third dimension to I've gone to fifth dimension, 11th dimension, but now I was going to multiple dimensions where there were aspects. If you think of us as having like an oversoul that maybe fragments into multiple lives and multiple dimensions and quantum physics has now shown there are multiple dimensions that exist. So if you could tune into them in your consciousness, sometimes the version of you over there might be going through something that's challenging or difficult that actually mirrors a little bit what you're going through. And so then when there's a bleed, because there's a, there's almost like a vibrational match between what that one is experiencing and what you're experiencing, it sort of opens a channel and then there can be this bleed through experience. And I found it so overwhelming for my psyche. Um, not just cause I was like, am I going crazy? Like, I think I'm an alien. Like what, you know, my mind was trying to wrap, but also just the the felt sense in the body, the mind, and the spirit was so amplified compared to anything I have experienced thus far. It was very, very hard to navigate at times. And I, I do feel like this is where my work is going to be going in the future is helping other people who are having some experience of a multidimensional bleed through because you feel crazy um, and you think you're making it up because it's so intense. It's like, well, maybe I'm just don't want to deal with my childhood stuff. Or maybe this is like such big trauma that, you know, and I'm just making up a crazy story to explain it, but it's not quite that. Um, so just to summarize one time I brought in the council, the blue council and this light council was like, why does this feel so different when I tune into this consciousness I'm calling the alien queen? It feels so like it's happening simultaneously compared to the past lives, which feel like they're in the past, but I don't understand why does this feel so different? And they were like, oh, silly human. It's because time and space are an earth plane construct. And so past lives that happened on the earth plane feel past because there's time on the earth plane. But in other dimensions, in other realms of consciousness where, where the alien queen lives, for example, there is no time. So that's one of the reasons why it feels the quality of it feels so different and feels so 
simultaneous is because there isn't time and space over there the way that there is on the earth plane. And I was like, so would you say that that alien queen is a fragment of your your soul, maybe living in an alternate reality? And is that reality similar to the reality we have here in that? Like you said that that she was going through something. Can she if if you change something here, does it then change what happens there? Or if she changes something there, does it then change what happens here? Yeah, it's such a good question. These are many of the questions that honestly I have been living into in the last two years. So one thing that's helped me is um, Jane Roberts, who channeled the book, The Seth Speaks. She channeled a bunch of books back in, I think like the eighties, but she channeled one called Oversoul 7. And it is about this concept of there being an oversoul and then there being like multiple lives that that soul lives. That book, frankly, I don't, I don't find it super well written and hard to get through, but the it's helped me conceptualize this a little bit. Um, so that's kind of my understanding, I, but I, I really don't know, but okay, <laughs> I don't have any certain answers. Right. But I feel like I do have like a, a highest self consciousness that has fragmented into many lives and dimensions. And that as this one who calls herself Vanessa expands her consciousness into other dimensions, it makes sense to me that there would be more bleed through experiences because I can now tune into those dimensions Mm. in my consciousness more frequently. So I'm aware of these other versions of myself versus before my consciousness wasn't at a place to do that. Um, In working with my own spiritual teacher and some other women in this divinity circle I'm in where we all channel together, we did come to an understanding that sometimes when, for example, someone was betraying the alien queen over there and she was like at war and it was a big deal. And there was like a spy. I mean, it sounds like out of a movie. (laughs) It really does. Yeah. I've been like, I need to write a movie script about all of this. Um, But anyway, there was an experience of betrayal I was having here as well. That was so small compared to the reaction I was having. And what we came to the conclusion of was that when I was able to go into meditation and connect with her and let her know what was happening, I did warn her of this betrayal. <laughs> so crazy, Amy. No, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. And, and then I saw her like taking different actions. And it's crazy because I went into a channeling meditation space with a woman in my divinity circle about this betrayal, about the alien queen and me. And she and I were not telling the other one what we were each seeing until we were done. And we both saw the same thing, which was this betrayal. And it was that I, this consciousness as Vanessa warned her. And then she was able to like, I don't know, effectively arrest this person and stop them from betraying her because I had warned her by telling her that the same, and it was the same person here as it was over there who was betraying me. Um, So it sounds so insane. I know. No, I'm trying to like wrap my head around it from the, from the concept of like quantum reality and alternate universes and how we can change outcomes based on that. And it's, it's mind blowing in that way. Like what would that mean? Yeah. And in my divinity circle retreat, we went to Mount Shasta just this December and another woman and I just did this in the last of my New Year's Eve uh, ritual ceremony, but another woman 
she was healing a version of herself on a multi, on another dimension. So she was using like her light, her consciousness, where she's gotten in this place to, to clear and heal things for herself here, but also for that one over there. And so that's what actually a lot of us have been working on with our spiritual teacher is multidimensional healing. And that when we, if I break up with the governing spirit of unlovability in this dimension, it's actually going to help the version of me in that other dimension who also is struggling with unlovability. So I guess that's where you would say that lessons transcend time and the soul, right? Like lessons stay with you until you are able to work through them, right? I mean, isn't this sort of Brian Weiss's in the past life stuff is like, are we carrying these lessons with us over time? And until we can resolve them, we continue to carry them into other lifetimes, other dimensions, whatever it is. And if we can work to heal it, then we heal it simultaneously and also perhaps past and present. Yeah. I I don't know what I just said. I I love it. It made a ton ton of sense to me. It it made a ton of sense. And it is like, if there's bleed through that causes me to feel negative things, why couldn't there be bleed through where like when I heal here, that one over there gets a heal. Yeah. Like the same, to your point, if our soul is just here learning all these different lessons across multiple dimensions. Yeah. Why not? It is, it is, I have to say, I mean, it's, it, 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 it is kind of mind blowing for me right now as well. Yeah. It, so when this council comes in, what is your experience of that? Like, I, I feel like a lot of people want to know what, what those experiences feel like. Yes. Um, well, there's a lot, different councils I work with and channel with, and they have different feelings to them and they, they've shown me different images to represent them. So that's helpful. Like one of them, I see this really old man with like a long white beard. And one time when they wanted me to like be more playful, he like braided the beard and colored it, you know, just weird things like that. Um, So sometimes I'll get, I'm very visual. So I will often get a visual. And then they gave me a chant um, that I do. That's actually, I've put even on insight timer. That's an off planet consciousness chant that I could even do at the end of this, if you want for a few rounds that helps me open the channel with them. And so when I do that, it gets me really grounded and centered in my star seed nature. And then I just start often getting information from them. Like I'll just start channeling and working with them. Um, but yeah, it's a feeling of, I mean, probably how you, when you do your soul knowings, you know, I go into this space that just feels, I feel grounded and supported and peaceful. And I'm accessing a part of my consciousness that, you know, it's very different Mm -hmm. (laughs) when I'm like answering emails. Mm -hmm. What is, what is a star? How do you define star seed? Yeah. And that's something I, so for me, I would say it's someone, um, an aspect of your consciousness, consciousness originates elsewhere, like off the earth plane. And so we are seeds from that. We're planted here as seeds from that. Yeah. So, and I think some people who believe their star seeds believe that the, they don't actually come from the earth plane. They actually come from some other planet, some other location in the universe. Got it. Okay. Okay. Personally, I don't, I'm not sure what I believe. I, I just trust what I feel. And when I get information, I, you know, I can tune it. Like, does it feel right and true and good to me or not? Mm-hmm. Um, And I think it's so important, you know, for each of us to claim our own authority with these things and not think that anybody has the answers because the answers are inside of each of us. And it's so much Mm -hmm. about your own lived and felt experience. And so I'm hesitant to even 
define much of this because partly because it's so fluid for me, I'm still figuring it out, but also because I think it's so important. We each claim our own authority and, and what feels right and good and true in our hearts. Well, and I think what, what we're doing at least is opening up a conversation for people to be curious about these experiences they might be having and how they may or may not think, choose to think about them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, one person who's written about the starseed work that I've liked is Rebecca Campbell. She's written a couple of books with Hay House. She wrote mm. Rise, Sister, Rise back in 2010 when the feminine awakening was just starting in our consciousness. And then her latest book is called Letters from a Starseed. And so she's someone who I think is really um, speaking to and writing to this a lot. And then two of my soul sisters from my Divinity um, Divinity Circle, Bethany and Brooklyn, they are both star seeds and they're doing a lot. Um, they just started like a, I think a YouTube channel on it. Uh, I wish I could find, I mean, I'll give it to you. You can put it in your show notes. Okay, perfect. So, so if you believe you are a star seed, mm-hmm. you are not a human? <laughs> well, you've incarnated in human form, but your consciousness perhaps originates elsewhere and therefore you but also doesn't all say, our consciousness originate elsewhere maybe oh, right it's a great question I, yeah i don't know what the how huh. yes i would say i would say yes that all our consciousness originates elsewhere but perhaps it's someone who feels like they they incarnated on the earth plane at this time for a very specific reason to be part of the expansion and the awakening and consciousness that's happening and that they've kind of come in like from their starseed origins to the earth plane to help with this shift in consciousness. That's what a lot of starseeds talk about, being here to be part of this, you know, what Eckhart Tolle calls the new earth. Interesting. Hmm. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much. <laughs> we totally veered, but I wanted to veer. This was awesome. Um, tell us where where you can be found. Yeah. <laughs> what, so what, planet, Airbnb, what planet should we, yeah. What planet should we contact you at? And what's the um, country code for that? Uh, me and my alien queen, all my multi dimensional selves can be found at vanessaloader.com, L-O-D-E-R. And if you want to get the book, I would recommend getting it through my website forward slash book, or you can just click on the big word that says book because I'm at the top of the website, because I have a whole library vault of free guided meditations and visualizations and downloadable PDFs that if you buy the book through my website, you get access to all of that. Uh, But you can get the book. Yeah. Anywhere they sell books, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, indie bookstores, sounds true website. But yeah, if you fill out the form on my website, we can get you all of the supplemental meditations and resources and videos. Yeah, I want to go back on Insight Timer and see if I've ever done your meditations before. I didn't even put the two together, but I do a ton of meditations from Insight Timer. So I'll have to check that out too. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much. This was an awesome discussion today. So fun, so many different directions. Um, So thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, Amy. I love what you're doing. I love what you stand for and the people you're supporting. And it's a real honor to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, 
death and the space between. <laughs>